you want to fight capitalist structures by being gay and doing yeah. hard parkour. <laughs> and I was like, that sounds like a great it's, game. It's, it's pretty it's accurate. To break down capitalism. It's pretty it's just, accurate. Yeah. It's just run on walls and be gay. Yeah. Be gay and do parkour. <laughs> capitalism is fucked. Yeah. Welcome to the Crown Eden's Podcast, where we talk about our favorite games, video game news, and just about anything else. My name is Matthew, and as always, I'm here with my best friends, Marissa and Sacco. Now, I'd like to remind everybody that there are no stupid questions, so I'm going to start us off with a question right now. Marissa. Yeah. Have you noticed that in the intro, I say video game news, and we never really talk about anything that uh, is related to the news? Do you have any news articles for me or something like that might be uh, relevant to this week? Yeah, actually, I do. Do you know what it is? Like, I uh, feel I like you know what it is. No, tell me about it. All right, well, recently, uh, Sony released some numbers from their PlayStation console ownership. Um, and from the PS1 to the PS4 slash 5, uh, female, and they, they presented this as female interest in gaming. I have some issues with those wordings, but female proportion of, of the ownership of the actual console has gone up from 18% from the PS1 to 41% to the ps4 slash 5 which is just a little tidbit of interesting gaming news and um, yeah i wanted to t- oh go ahead sorry i was just gonna say uh before we dive into this because i know you're excited to talk about it i would just like to say that that's it's like it's, it's exciting we want representation in, in video game media uh i think representation is important i think that those numbers should be a little bit higher but let's hear let's hear your thoughts i didn't mean to cut you off i mean i i personally i know a lot of uh, people who own a PlayStation or an Xbox and, and they refuse to like list their gender on that kind of stuff. So I wonder how much of that is actually accurate Um, in the sense, like it feels a little bit low to me based on kind of representation I see online and, and, and in real life as well. But I, I think it's interesting to see that increase even just of the ownership of the console, because I think that that's a big thing. Like, if anyone had asked me who owned the original Xbox in our house, it'd be like, oh, it's my brother's because yeah. it was kind of bought because he asked for it, even though I loved video games since I was like little. Like I had a Game Boy that I played the hell out of. Like I actually found it the other day and I was so excited <laughs> not to digress too that's much. Actually, that's actually great. <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I found my um, it was the Game Boy. Um, uh, not the DS. It was it was the other one. Was it the one before that, the SP? Yeah, 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 that one. Yeah. Um, and I found all the games. Like I put them all in the same bag, and does then it I still put work? Them in a box. I have to charge it. Oh, it's very, very that's dead. Fair. So we'll see. It, we'll see. So what you're saying is that the Game Boy Advance SP did not hold the charge over the past ten years. Yeah, unfortunately, it's not that interesting. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I'll have to take that one up with Nintendo. <laughs> get longer yeah. charging rates. <laughs> Nintendo needs to get better at that one. Yeah, so I'm I'm curious. It's just interesting to me that like now, even if it was like you know we've maybe transitioned from, you know, it being like a family PlayStation or a family Xbox or family whatever, to more women and uh, going out and actually buying the PlayStation for themselves because they like enjoy games that much so that that was really cool to me i don't know 
Um, I, and then I thought, oh, go ahead, Matt. I keep just kind of blazing over. Uh, honestly, Marissa, I'm just excited that the number grew. Uh, I think at the yeah. end of the day, like whether the statistic is as accurate as we think it should be, I'm just happy it's going up. And I'm happy that we are seeing more female representation in video games. Yeah, and it's it's pretty cool. Uh, and one of the things I wanted to discuss because of that, because of this piece of gaming news, was I wanted to talk about all of our favorite female protagonists in video games. And while like these, uh, while a lot of the um, female protagonists um, have been increasing along with this, um, like you seeing a higher representation of women owning uh, consoles and all that good stuff. I just kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit. I thought that would be a really interesting topic. So I don't know, Matt, uh, it seems like you have a lot to say today. So let's start with you. <laughs> I feel like I have I have a lot to say and I should just I should just stop talking. I should just hand the mic, <laughs> hand the mic down. Um, but that being said, I I think it's interesting that I um, I think that when I think about video games, I think there's a lot more. Um, female protagonists like today that I can just name like oh yeah like there's so many games which is a good thing uh this is this is a positive um but on my list every single person is from a video game that came out I mean 50% of them are are from games from the 80s or 90s which is interesting and then there's like a couple of like more modern games but even then it's like um I think that female representation has been trying to make its way in and I think maybe it just hasn't been doing it properly um, that being said, I'll start off with a game I'm playing right now. Celeste uh, has the main character is Madeline and her mission is to climb a mountain and everybody tells her she can't do it. And even herself is telling her she can't do it. And one of the obstacles that she has to climb while she's climbing this mountain is her own inner um, self doubt. And I think that she's this awesome badass girl who she's going to make it to the top of the mountain. I think she can do it. And I'm I'm excited to be there for to watch her do it. I don't know a lot. I, you've been talking about Celeste a lot lately, and I don't know it's a lot great. about the game. It seems like a game I would binge over the course of a month and very similar fashion to like Cuphead um, and torture myself over. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if that's accurate. Um, I think it's it's easier than uh, than Cuphead, but it, it has a very distinct um, like play style. Like you're, you will you will. Uh like fall or or fail like a hundred times at least a level but it's not like as much as cuphead where if you're in a boss fight it has to like reset and like you're kind of like you're really upset about it like you don't i feel like when i died in cuphead i was like i lost but when i die as as uh in celeste i'm like no we're we're figuring out the checkpoints we're figuring out how to do this so there's like a lot we're doing it together there's a lot yeah. of checkpoints yeah level. yeah no it's like so every single screen that you have to climb when you oh, die, you you okay. restart at that screen, and when you get to the next screen, like this, the screen pans. Yeah. Okay. So like you're looking at you're looking at one square, and like you just have to get across the square. It's very similar to like Cloudberry Kingdom. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Like like where like you you're you're gonna die until you figure out the path that you're supposed to take. Cloudberry Kingdom, Super Meat Boy. It's very much like get to the other side of the screen and die three hundred times trying. Oh, okay. okay. Um, but but the reason why I love this game so much is like the themes they talk about. Like Madeline is just this little girl and. Well, not little. Like she's she's a she's a woman, um, but she uh, she's like she's really struggling, and she's like I. Everybody keeps telling me I can't do it. Like, what if I can't? And like, her inner demons literally come to life, and they're like, I'm gonna prevent you from getting to the top of the mountain, and I'm gonna start throwing hur hurdles at you. And like, she's like, No, I ca I can do this. 
And it's just amazing. No, fuck you. <laughs> it's like you don't always have to listen to the negative voice inside your head. And I think that's oh. I think that's fantastic. I like that. Um, like the little eight bit yes. character of Madeline. Uh Sacco, how about you? Um, I gonna go with not really an obscure one, but I was gonna go with uh, Faith from Mirror's Edge. Um Okay, so you said Faith. Yeah. And then I was like, I don't I don't have any fucking clue what game this is from. <laughs> uh, Faith Connor. And then you said, you, you said Mirror's Edge, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm back in reality. Yeah. Um, <laughs> doing the research for this episode, I actually found out that there was a Mirror's Edge comic, um, and that's I think what the game was based on, which is, uh, I didn't know. I just I just played the game, but um, Faith is um, for anyone who doesn't know what Mirror's Edge is, it's like a parkour game where you just go through a bunch of levels. And um, you just kick people off buildings and you like, and then it, like, it, it kind of, we've talked about it before on the, um, ironically, the most disappointing ending podcast. <laughs> um, but uh, Faith has an interesting, like, again, I didn't read the comics. So my introduction to Faith was like, you start the game and Faith is just healing from an injury. Um, and she wants to get back out running, which is just delivering packages in like the black market. Um, and, but, like, all of her, um, I guess, trainer, like, I don't really know the dynamic, but, like, there's, there's people that teach runners how to run, basically, um, and, um, your trainer keeps telling you, no, you're not ready, you're not ready, and then you go out anyways, and, uh, during your first mission back, uh, you find out that your sister is accused of murder, and is tried by the police, and found guilty, and so that's the whole the whole point of the first game is now you have to go save your sister. Um, and I don't know Faith. For anyone who has it, who has no idea what Faith is, you could just Google it. Um, she's got like super dope tattoos, um, like super cool shoes. I like her shoes a lot. Um, and she's just like, <laughs> I like just, her shoes. Just an overall badass. Like they kind of remind me of like Sonic's shoes. I don't know because they're oh, like red with like okay. a white stripe on them. I don't know. It's a very loose connection, and maybe maybe that was the connection they were trying to make. They're just they're both red. Yeah. They're, they're the, both red. so the only connection I have to Mirror's Edge, other than you specifically talking about <laughs> it before, is I see this. There's this one guy on TikTok. I'll have to link him in our description of this because I have to. I, I want to get his uh, handle right, but he basically does a series where it's like what your favorite video game says about you, and he did one, and Mirror's Edge was in it, and it was like. You want to fight capitalist structures by being gay and doing yeah. hard parkour, yeah. and I was like, "That sounds like a great it's game." Pretty, it's pretty accurate to break down capitalism. It's pretty is, accurate. Yeah. Let's just run on walls and be gay. Yeah, be gay and do parkour. <laughs> capitalism is fucked. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, Mirror's Edge was a great game. I didn't. I played a little bit of the second game. I didn't play a whole lot of it. I think Faith is still the main character in that one as well. Um. And yeah, she's just a total badass, just jumping over buildings and shit, ziplining across buildings. It's just high energy, high chaos, high risk, high reward kind of thing. And it sounds like the stereotypical like Laura Croft badass. I was gonna do whatever she can to get through this world kind of thing. But like Yeah, but like less survivey. Like she doesn't have to like obviously scrunch she doesn't have to try. or anything. But maybe maybe <laughs> she does. Who I don't know. I you, I only play the missions where she's running over buildings and stuff, but like she, like you have to like escape from the cops and stuff, and like there's helicopters chasing you across buildings, and 
Like it's super, super like action movie. Um, and it's right. all first person, so it's like really fast paced, and like it's a lot of like reaction time stuff. Um, right. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Marissa, I'm glad you you uh, made that comparison. I actually have Laura Croft on on my list. Um, my only notes beside her is absolute badass. <laughs> I, I didn't know where I was going. That's the whole story. Just absolute badass. I'm, I, I'm glad it came up naturally. But because uh, <laughs> because if I, I bring it up, I'm like I don't know what to say about this. She's just a badass. I've played two two Tomb Raider games or two games featuring Laura Croft because I know some of them are, are named differently. I believe I actually don't know much about the Laura Croft Tomb Raider franchise, but one of them was like for like our 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 computer in the nineties, yeah. and so it was like the very stereotypical triangular, very yeah. yeah you got it. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> the, the original Laura Croft. <laughs> and I, I remember really, really loving the game. Like I couldn't, I was young, so I didn't, I didn't play it, but I would watch my brother and sister play it. And then there was one, I started playing it on my own and it was, it was okay. And then I would get to this one spot and you had to like jump across the platform and go, you had to grab a rope and then like swing on the rope and then get to the other side. Right. Very, very typical Tomb Raider shit. Right. And then. I remember I fell and I like Lara Croft dies instantly. And I remember being like, what? Like, like, it didn't seem like that far of a fall. And my brother was like, well, her neck snapped. Oh. Oh. And I was like, oh. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> and then I, I remember crying. I had to go to my mom. He was like, she's being a baby. I was like, I don't know. You just told me that this girl's neck snapped. I don't know how to deal with this. <laughs> I don't know how to deal with this. So it took me a while to pick up another Tomb Raider game. Fair. <laughs> and the new Tomb Raider games aren't any nicer with the deaths. They're they're very they're in HD. And there's there's some moments in that game where you 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 see the deck snapping. Okay, so I did play one recently. It was it was The Rise of the Tomb Raider. I didn't get too far because there was a lot of sneaking. Yeah. Um, and you all know how I feel about that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I didn't get too far in it, but I did like the overall aesthetic of it. So I love these, like this re, um, like I said, they're remakes. Um, I absolutely love them. If I, Marissa, I think you'd really like the first one. They all kind of do have that sneak feel to it, but, uh, it, it gives you the option to like really go guns blazing. Yeah. Like it's not um, like the last of us. Like they do really give I, you. I, I do like the guns blazing effect. Yeah. So they remade the game in 2013. Like they restarted the series and you start off as Laura Croft in the uh, first, like it's like just called the Tomb Raider. Um, and then they remastered them again for the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One. And my absolute favorite part about this game is the first time, like Laura Croft is like an archaeologist and like she ends up on this island. And the first time she kills somebody, she's like, I like, what did I do? Like I just killed somebody. And that moment in a video game was absolutely revolutionary to me because I'm sick and tired of like being in a video game and like this person who has no, like they'll just drop in a person and like they have no business being this good at what they're doing. But because it's a video game, they just instantly pick up a gun and start like murdering people and like doing backflips. And it's like when with Laura Croft, like you drop in, you're on this island and you like find a bow and arrow and like you shoot somebody and you're like, oh my God, like. I just killed somebody. And I'm like, that's if I was in that situation, I would lose my mind. Like if I was just on an island and I'm like, I have to do it or else I'm gonna die. And it was just like the realism and like she has to hunt for food and she's like, I like you really experience being stuck on this island and it just makes that survivalism like way more intense. And I just thought the writing was absolutely fantastic. 
I've heard that the that they actually take you through like a, an amount of realism uh, in that game. I've heard that from a lot of people and why they liked it because it wasn't just like, ah, oh, yes, I am a badass. Yeah, like there was which a... I do enjoy sometimes. Like I'll I'll be I'll shut down capitalism by being gay and doing parkour <laughs> in Mirror's Edge. Sure, 100%. that's fine. But like there are I I like being able to have the range and finding games that express it differently. I think that that's that's always a benefit, right? Uh, and it leads me to my next game, which also delves into the emotions of the actual real life emotions you would be having in certain situations, which is uh, The Last of Us. Um, and I'm going to talk mm-hmm. about Ellie. Now, Matt, I know you're going to play the second game, and so I'm not going to spoil anything. Mm-hmm. But I will say, because um, she is technically a playable uh, protagonist in the first game, it's for a small portion. And I'm going to talk more deeply about that. but. In the second game, there's something that they do really well, and this is completely spoilers-free. Um, they let Ellie be angry. They let Ellie be so fucking pissed off at the fact that she's in this apocalyptic world. And I think that that is not something you see, especially with, um, and for whatever reason it is, but especially with uh, women characters, they are generally not given that role. They're usually more more experiencing different emotions, but the anger she feels throughout that game is so relatable. And I like I'm with her most of the time of feeling that anger, just being like, yeah, like the world is fucked and you like you deserve to be mad at like you are yeah. is totally fair to be mad about this. Yeah. I, I think that's In, something that's not shown. Not shown a lot. And I think that the reason that they could do that so well in the second game, and this is where I'm going to talk a little bit more deeply about The Last of Us, but it is because of the, how they portray Ellie in the first game. Mm-hmm. So when you're actually playing as her and she is um, one of the main protagonists, the amount of fear um, she has when she's trying to keep Joel like healthy and alive because mm-hmm. he's like basically almost fucking dead. And uh, she's, you know, she's afraid she has that moment where she's encountering people and she she has this bad feeling and she just she just trusts it and she becomes violent and a little bit angry in that moment too because she knows that's how she needs to be to survive. She's not going to be nice just to be nice. And they try to exploit her based on that. You know, they're like, "Okay, well like just help us out." And she just pulls out her weapon at them and like, "Get the fuck out of here." And I, I loved that part because I was like, obviously, you have the same bad feeling as Ellie because you're like, I don't I don't trust these guys. Um, and specifically, you're talking about the, the scene where she's hunting in the woods in case I've lost anyone here. But yeah, that moment where she she turns her gun on them and she she realizes that they're they're not nice yeah. people. Yeah. Um, and she realizes it before they've really revealed anything to her. I think is really powerful. And then, of course, the scene, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head, Matt. I know you played this more recently, so maybe you can help me out here, but where she is being chased around the restaurant. Oh. Yes. Dave? Uh, Dave. That scene, Dave. Yeah. David. Yeah. So as she's being chased around the restaurant by David, one, the amount of, like, holy shit fear I felt in that. And we've talked a little bit about how the mechanics maybe weren't awesome there. Mm -hmm. Um, But when she is just 
and big spoilers if you don't want to <laughs> know anything about The Last of Us. But when she is just, she picks up a knife and is just absolutely like butchering him. Like, I remember watching that scene and being like, one, this girl is traumatized. It was graphic. It was, it was, it was graphic. a graphic scene. And I was like, this this poor girl, because at this time, she she isn't a woman. She's, she's just a girl. Like, she's just a teenager, yeah. like barely a teenager. And she's having to do this because she knows that if she hadn't done that, if she hadn't killed him, she wouldn't have survived. And it was the same thing where then she just broke down and she just kept stabbing him like that would make it all become undone mm -hmm. like the the emotion that went into that scene was and i know we've talked about this in a, a previous podcast map but it actually i was getting really freaked out with that mm -hmm. battle and it pulled me back into the narrative yeah i think ellie's tremendous i think ellie's tremendous because um because she's allowed to feel these emotions that i think anyone would be feeling in the middle of that world and not only that, they make you feel it too. Like the the way it's it's not just like I'm watching television and I'm like, this is like this is unfortunate or like I can't imagine how this person would feel. But like in these moments, we like we as the player are like absolutely terrified, absolutely upset, angry. And we are feeling yeah. like we are able to feel the same emotions that Ellie's feeling, and it just adds that that extra layer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I can't really talk too many great things about Ellie. Um, also, uh, again, little spoiler if you don't know this about Ellie, although I feel like it's a little bit of a, like you've been living under a rock situation. Uh, <laughs> she is a very much lesbian character as well, which you find out at, um, in the DLC of the first game, um, um, which is fabulous. And I want to talk about some of my other favorite <laughs> lesbian characters. <laughs> which is coming from uh potentially how you played it life is strange so you have max and uh chloe who uh are both protagonists one one max is the protagonist of life is strange the first game and chloe is the protagonist in life is strange before the storm um and i think they're fabulous examples of uh having female characters in games and and really like exploring their personalities in depth um, I think they do a better job in Before the Storm. I think that's pretty common in a lot of video games that the second one or the second iteration of a game, they usually get a little bit of a larger budget, it seems, a little bit more time to complete it, and they're already working off of material, so it tends to be a little bit better. But the Chloe in Life is Strange Before the Storm, I've said this before, I'll say it again, was so absolutely thoroughly well-developed that it made me replay the first game and save her. Mm -hmm. Even even that, just like convincing you to go back to a game, like you've already played the game, you've already made your decision, and then you played a second game, and it's like, hold on a minute, maybe. Well, I, I and like the decision the at the end of that game was a huge. It was a huge decision. It was like save one person or save an entire town, and like it made you go mm -hmm. back and like reconsider. Like, hey, maybe I was wrong. Yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe I judged that too harshly. Yeah, I think I think. Uh, Especially in the in Before the Storm, maybe I'll just focus on that one. But I I think that they did a fabulous job of making Chloe a really fully developed character. You start to understand like all of her decisions from the mm -hmm. first game. You start to understand her mentality, where she's coming from, why she's in such a 
rough spot. Plus, you get to explore her relationship with Rachel, which is, um, you get to affect. Obviously, it's a choice based game, so you can make that as as well developed as you want. But the the complexities of like their emotions and the fact that like it's a little corny. Like they're all still in high school, so there's a little bit of like angst and drama that you have to go through. Yeah. But like. They did it Never in such a good way that I was like, <laughs> I don't know. I remember waking up in my parents being like cooking breakfast downstairs. And I thought that was the most annoying thing ever be- for some reason, because I was pissed off at the world that day. And like, they do that really well where they explore that like punk. I don't give a shit. I'm I'm so sick of this, this monotonous life attitude. Yeah. Uh, yeah Matt, I actually think you are very similar to Chloe. <laughs> yeah. I'll, uh, she's the one with the blue hair, right? Yes. I never yeah. played the game. I'll I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> the first uh the first scene actually of Life is Strange Before the Storm, you are trying to find your way to a concert that's taking place oh, in an abandoned yeah, yeah. like barn or something. And you have to basically like convince the it's like so not legit, like, it, but it's like your favorite band for some reason is playing in this like abandoned yeah, warehouse. Yeah, convince like and the, then the you bouncer have to, to let you in. Yeah, you have to convince the bouncer to let you in, and like you can do it. Like, and you can like give him money. You can like do all this shit. But like as she's walking in, and she's like, "There's nothing." Like if I leave tonight and I haven't seen, I can't remember the name of the band that they like made up. But if I haven't seen them play, like I, I'm gonna kill myself. Like life isn't worth living. Like, and I was like, that, that's like such a bad this is, attitude. This is, yeah. <laughs> I I can't say I've been there, uh, but I I definitely I should have been there. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be in an abandoned garage listening to some random punk band. Like that's a hundred percent what the. That's what I'm looking for that, in life. That's that's what you're looking for in life. Plus, they uh, there's actually a mission. I'm trying now. Now this has turned into Marissa is trying to convince Matt to play Life is Strange podcast. Nice. Um, <laughs> which is that they do actually do a performance of Shakespeare in the middle oh. of the the game, and you have to that's remember lines from Shakespeare. That's really cool. Yeah. Is this game was this game made for me? I like might it. have been, and then you refused to play it. <laughs> I refused to play it. I listened to the soundtrack all the time. I I remembered we t- I remember we talked about Life is Strange, uh, and I forgot that I did this. But uh, I like I was flipping through my music, and I was like, oh, I, I love this song. I listened to the song forever, and then I was like, where do I know this song from? I looked it up. It was the Life is Strange soundtrack. Like I just listened to the soundtrack. Um, it's a good soundtrack. It's a great soundtrack. You can play the game. Yeah. <laughs> One day you will. I'll, I'll give it. A I'll try. be so happy. Maybe I'll give it a try. All right, Matt, I feel like you have another one to talk I have, about. I have a couple of... Uh, I'm just going to punch through three really quickly, and then and then we can flip it back to you guys. Um, two that I really want to mention. I mean, I say really quickly, but it revolves Portal, so we know it's going to be a long... long no, that's haul. a long haul, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so the two that I want to talk about were uh, Samus from Metroid yeah. and uh, Chell from Portal. Okay. Because both of those characters, you don't... like you're not introduced to them as like women they're not like oh you're playing as a girl let's see what happens like metroid you play the entire game and then at the end she takes off like her suit and it's like oh that was the entire time the badass fighting aliens was was like a female and i feel like it it just kind of like felt like the fact that samus is a girl and the fact that chell from portal the fact that they're like female doesn't change the game at all and like it doesn't feel like they're there for like 
anything other than these are the characters and this is the story we're telling and it has nothing to do like there's no weird um weird moments that make me like why why are they doing this it was just like nope this is the game this is the story and also they're female and i think that's pretty cool cool was there another one you said you said three yeah oh okay <laughs> <So> <laughs> <laughs> we can we can talk about chell but you I, I thought you, you, what you said was i'm gonna blaze through three really quickly yeah, yeah. and then, and then, and then we'll two. go back to you guys and then you said so, two and then i thought you were gonna talk you were gonna talk about Chell. um so the, we can come back uh to either of those if you'd like but the third one that i wanted to talk about was princess zelda because she does not fit the stereotypical princess from a video game, in my opinion. Um, I'm sure somebody will try and fight me on this, but I think Princess Zelda is an absolute badass. And she doesn't seem like a damsel in distress. Um, besides the very first game where you literally just play as Link and like you're in the middle of a field and you don't actually know anything that's happening. Um, like a Link to the past, um, you save Zelda like Zelda's trapped in a castle in like the first mission, like the tutorial mission. And uh, you say like immediately she's like, yeah, no, like I'm breaking out, like come with me. And then the rest of the game, she's free. And she's just like, Hey, like Ganon's um, attacking Hyrule. Can you please help us? Like I have these supplies. I can help you if you ever want to come and chat. Like if you ever get stuck, like come back and like, I'll help you. And like, she's very much like a companion throughout the game. Um, and then in the later game, she actually becomes Sheik, which is like a ninja who like will actually fight enemies like in front of Link. So I think that like a lot of people hear um, princess video game. Their first thought is like Peach and she's trapped in a castle. And that's a whole nother story that we don't have to get into. But I think like Princess Zelda has always been like, yes, she's a princess. Yes, she's a badass. Get over it. And I think that's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. It's one of my favorite characters. That's fair. That being said, Sacco. Do you have anybody else you'd like to talk about? Uh, I do. I have one last uh, character. Um, you don't you don't play as her ever, but she she um, she does like provide a pretty like important role. Um, and it's in it's in Halo, um, and it's not Cortana. It's actually uh, Commander Keys. I thought you were gonna talk. I thought you were gonna talk about Cortana. No, no. Halo. So it's actually Commander <laughs> Keys. So um, the I'll I'll, I'll kind of shrink her backstory. Basically, she. Um, her father is Jacob Keys, who is the commander of the Ford Unto Dawn, and her mom is Catherine Halsey. And so Halsey is the person who created the Spartan program, who like basically made Master Chief a thing. And uh, then Jacob Keys is the commander of the ship that you, as Master Chief, are then assigned to. In Halo One, uh, Jacob Keys dies. He gets infected by the flood, gets like absorbed into it, and becomes like part of the hive mind. Um, and in and then you you end up having to kill uh, Jacob Keys like in in that battle with the flood. And then um, uh, while this is going on, Miranda Keys is like she's doing her training, she's doing all this stuff, she's working her way to become a commander. And if her dad didn't die, she would have been the commander of a different ship. But um, instead of like once her once her father dies, she then is like quickly promoted to be the commander of the Ford Unto Dawn, and she has to now command the ship that is actively being attacked by the Covenant because they know that Master Chief is on it. Um, and she does a great job. She like defends it all the way through Halo Two, 
then Halo 3, she gets um, like special permission from like the head guy of the UNSC to follow the Covenant through a portal, which is essentially a suicide mission. But, but in doing that, she ends up finding Master Chief. They resurrect him kind of because his like suit went into lockup as he like fell through the sky and like went into a jungle. The whole thing. Um, so she ends up getting Master Chief. Then they they like get get the Arbiter. The two of them come together, and then Halo Three happens. And the whole plot of Halo Three, you get all the way to the end. And I know I talked about this a little bit in like twist endings, but um, there is like another twist I didn't really talk about in that one, where like after Guilty Spark turns on you, the flood infects the ring that you're on, and the flood are trying to turn on the arc to destroy again sentient life because that's their whole goal um and uh commit so miranda keys now like by herself fights her way all the way to the control room and then um she finds uh sergeant johnson who's another important character um who has been infected by the flood and the covenant are going to use johnson to turn on the arc because you need a human touch like no alien can turn on the arc um and then Johnson distracts her, and then as she's distracted, the truth, the the prophet of truth, which is like the head of the covenant, ends up killing her. But but she delayed them enough time for the arbiter and the chief to show up and take both of their bodies out as they self-destruct the ring. And then um they're both buried on Earth, and there's like a whole ceremony at the end of it. And she you like as Master Chief, you actually don't return to Earth. You get sent off into space and you tell Cortana to wake you if they need you again or whatever and so there's like a nice memorial and it's got a picture of, of Sergeant Johnson uh, Miranda Keys and you just like it's just 117 is written on a piece of stone because that's your that's the chief's uh, like service number I guess anyways so like it's like you, I mean you get a lot of her backstory from like Halo and Halo 2 and then she ends up like being the martyr in Halo 3 that like her and Johnson both sacrificed themselves to delay the Covenant long enough for you to eventually save Earth because they're going after Earth in Halo 3 because the Reach, Reach is already gone. That was the only other human planet. Um, but yeah, like it, it's a character that was very important. You never actually play as her, but she does play a very important role because she is your commander as the chief and you do answer to her and everything you have to do she has to okay and stuff. So wanted to give her like a special mention as a play a character you can't play as but a very important character to the halo storyline well all right that sounds like a very uh (laughs) okay so i don't know if i was like just a little bit out of it but i feel like we need to go back for a second to zelda because i (laughs) really so the thing i've loved about zelda and i'll talk about twilight princess again because why wouldn't i is the sacrifices that Zelda makes in that game to keep her people safe and the fact that like the the jaw-dropping moment when you run into her as well like in the Twilight world I don't know Matt like what was your experience with that because I was like in grade 10 or something (laughs) I think and I was like sitting on my couch and I was like who is this like, I want to be her, even though she looks incredibly sad and, like, <laughs> totally tortured or something. <laughs> I don't know. What was your experience? Cool. Um, so I'm actually really glad that you brought up Twilight Princess because uh, another really cool character is Midna, who is also a princess of the Twilight Realm. Um, and she was transformed into an imp. But both, like, both 
um, Zelda and Minna are like their kingdoms have been destroyed and they had they hold so much like like you were saying where you like she really like cares about her kingdom and just like seeing her in like almost having a little bit of heartbreak because of yeah like, the pain that she's going through um and then spoiler alert you later on realize that midna is also going through the same thing and like they are they are like the duality um of hyrule and the twilight realm and like they both put basically everything on the line to save their their kingdom um and i just think it's really interesting that like that entire game like my mouth was just jaw dropping yeah yeah, I feel like I I always forget about it in terms of, like, the surprises and the twists in the story. But, like, even Minna, like, I totally forgot. Well, cause mostly because she's basically, like, your, your, your like, system like your telling you yeah. how to, like, play the game for most of it. <laughs> she's your tutorial um, system. <laughs> she's your tutorial system, but she actually is, like, very well developed as well. And I remember getting to the end and being like, oh, Minna, like, oh, my God, Minna, like, what? What were you going through this entire time, basically? I don't know. I, I do really love Zelda. I love that. Um, I love the meme of like, oh, yeah, like, <laughs> like, uh, this is Zelda. And then they show a picture of Link because like, really, Link is just he's the protagonist. But he's like also like a weird like the, the relationship between them is so like it switches off between like who does more in which game and and that sort of thing, whether he's actually just like, or he's showing up to rescue her and she's like, nah, fuck you. Like I'm already, I'm already out of here. Like I do really love it. I think there's something to be said as well about um, certain characters who like, you know, um, and this mostly happens in RPG where they, they just really let you choose between um, a male and female option. Um, I do appreciate that. Obviously I'm going to mention Dragon Age here. Uh, in particular with the second one, which it was the only Dragon Age in which you had an already named character who already had some sort of like background and 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 all that stuff that that remained constant regardless of the changes you made to them. So Hawk is basically always Hawk. You are always going to be a human. You are always going to be a part of this family and and no matter what background or um you know class or anything that you give hawk um there are certain things that stay the same and i think one of the it's not exactly canon but i know i i like to think of hawk as a as a female i only ever really played her as a female i know a lot of people did play a male hawk and that's fabulous uh but uh there's something so beautiful about a, a femme hawk and Especially, and I think this is maybe one of my favorite um, headcanons, the, the idea that um, Varric, who is the only unromanceable, like, companion in your group, basically, other than, like, your brother or sister, which is obvious, but uh, the only one you can't romance uh, is Varric, um, which is, it was probably just realistic, like, things within the the development of Dragon Age 2, which was um, that they were working on a tight timeline and also he's a dwarf, so like to have some sort of kissing scene with him would be like height differences and shit like that. I don't know. I feel like that may be some of it. But uh, there's like this headcanon that the only reason you can't romance him is because he's telling the story and 
he doesn't want anyone to know that you guys basically hooked up the entire time and that you're dating and like that's my favorite oh i didn't know where you were going with this because i didn't actually like i never played the game but like now that you said that i was like oh so like he like they they actually the entire time were like that was the only romance and he was like i can't let people know that i'm i can't like, let people know <laughs> there was like this comic and it was like which also works with um um a male hawk as well um, but basically, there's like this one comic, and it's totally fan made. If I find it again, I will link it, but I can't guarantee I'll find it on the the wide web. Uh, here, I it's but it's basically like Cassandra's like interrogating Varric, and then Cassandra's basically like, and that's everything. And he's like, yeah, that's everything, and like all this stuff. And then he leaves, and he goes back to his house, and then Hawk is like waiting there, and and then she's like did they buy it? And he's like, every word. And you're, I was just like, that was the ending I wanted. <laughs> like, I want that ending of, uh, of Dragon Age 2. I want that for everyone. I also uh, like the idea that uh, they could have added in a scene where basically Varric was like, yeah, and then, then we hooked up and Cassandra just is like, no. <laughs> just draw dropping. No, that didn't happen. It That didn't happen. You're lying to me. And he's like, okay. <laughs> Sure. I just like I want Bioware. I just I want the ending. Just give me the. Did they buy it? <laughs> yeah, did, they, did they buy it? And then him just being like, with like total Varric, uh, got his chest hair just hanging out for the world. Confidence of, of course they did. Like every word, every word, just that confidence. Like I want that. That has nothing to do with why Fem Hawk is an amazing character. <laughs> By the way, that's just Marissa needing to talk about Dragon Age for at least five <laughs> like minutes we, in every podcast. We, we somehow brought it back. <laughs> All right. So there's actually another protagonist I do want to bring up. I've never played the game. I, I had it on my PlayStation, but I haven't played it yet. Uh, and it's Horizon Zero Dawn. Matt, I think you played this one. I absolutely love, love, love this game. Um, I am extremely excited that they're making a second one. Just shout out to that. Uh, it's coming out on the PlayStation Five, and I I will talk about I will talk about the game, and I will talk about Alloy because she is fantastic. But before we get into that, really quickly, um, that is the single reason why I think a PlayStation Five is justifiable. A lot of people are like the PlayStation Four is still good. The graphics are already 4K. You don't need another one. But if you compare the trailer. For the new game and like the the world like the amount of detail that they put into this world which is possible because of like the higher processing powers of the playstation 5 my goodness this game looks beautiful all right let's go into it so horizons are done uh you play as i'm, I'm gonna try okay wait mm, i feel like you want to play this game marissa and i definitely recommend it so i'm gonna try not to spoil too much yeah don't um, spoil anything but talk in that detail. being said okay <laughs> I, I was about to jump like i was about to jump into it and i caught myself i was like wait hold Thank on you. she said I, she has I it have, i would have absolutely eviscerated you and i need you to know that so so just for context this game is about um it's about the human race far uh into the future and... <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry you started with i it's about the human race and all i wanted to say was like as opposed to <laughs> <laughs> um so it's about it's about um the human species far into the future uh so far into the future that technology has advanced to a point where it is self-sufficient 
Um, so all of the wildlife is like like technology and like robots, but they look like animals and it like the aesthetic is just very pleasing. Um, but there was like a lot of technical issues and the humans have basically gone back to the Stone Age um, while these giant mechanical creatures are existing. Um, so Alloy's like main weapons are like a bow and arrow and like she has like like small like knives and daggers. Um, she's absolutely fantastic. The I don't want to spoil too much, but she definitely like takes her life into her own her own hands. Like society keeps telling her that you need to like she she's in. I'm trying not to spoil, but I'm going to spoil a little bit. It's right at the beginning of the game. She's an outcast, so her tribe has basically like kicked her out. Um, she's kind of on her own with one other outcast that's raising her. Um, from like from a child, like she's like a, a very small child, and like society is like, no, you need to leave. And so she, like she kind of grows up. Um, just with this one other father figure and she basically gets to a point in her life where she's like i need to know like i need to know who i am i need to know why like why i i am here and like the journey that you just go along is like so amazing it's it's an extremely great game alloy is an absolutely fantastic character she's very well written um and she's an absolute as i said before she's an absolute badass like i just like i want to shake her hand you know like would she let you shake her hand or would she I mean like, shoot an arrow through your heart? She first? might. I she's a very she's she's Is that a risk worth taking? It's a hundred percent risk worth taking. She's also a very trusting <laughs> person though. Like I feel like she's very much like unless I give her reason, she she very much will she's she's a very kind and caring, even though she's a badass. I don't think she would preemptively strike. And she I wouldn't she wouldn't attack with no reason she wouldn't attack with no reason if i just walked up to her and be like dude like you're you're an absolute badass i feel like she would maybe be confused and like why are you wearing those weird clothes why are your right. jeans so why are your jeans so skinny <laughs> why are your jeans so skinny why is your hair blue anyways um, i digress <laughs> <laughs> all right i have one more sacco do you have any more you want to mention before i go into my last one here no no i'm all i'm all out you're all out. All right. Yeah. So I have I have one more. Uh, Sacco, you're going to. I know you've played this game, so you're going to regret saying that you didn't oh. think of this one first. Okay. Um, so I'm going to talk about Clementine. Oh. From the yeah. Walking Dead yeah, yeah, yeah. video games. Uh, so Clementine is actually you meet her in the first game when she's she's not a playable character. Uh, you basically it's actually really funny. You meet her. Uh. The first Walking Dead, I, I, I can't really, like, overstate how much fun it was. Um, essentially, you start as Lee, um, who is, who's been arrested for some reason. Um, I think we find out later on, but I'm going to just kind of... Um, he's ba basically being taken to prison in a police cruiser. And uh, you're kind of you're able to chat with the the police officer, or you can. I'm pretty sure you can just ignore the police officer, and then he gets really mad, you know, as 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 they do. Um, but basically, as you're driving, um, you crash because you the a zombie walks out into the middle of the road, and and you are then like your car flips. I'm pretty sure he's like knocked out for a little bit. Once he wakes up, he has to defeat some zombies as you do in the zombie apocalypse game. And you take shelter in like there's like a little suburbs nearby. Um, and as you're going like talking in this house, there's a walkie talkie, I'm pretty sure, in the house. Uh, correct me if any of this is wrong, Sacco, but I'm 
pretty sure I'm bang on no, here. You're, yeah, and uh, you basically hear this little girl's voice, and she's like, "Hello," <laughs> and she's hiding in the treehouse. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I'm pretty sure like her babysitter or something. Anyway, she was separated from her parents, and I'm pretty sure it was her babysitter or something who basically turned, and then she hid in the treehouse to survive. And so she tags along with you. Um, and I won't spoil anything, but it's a little bit of a spoiler if you do art planning and playing the game. For some reason, you can't play as Lee in the second game. So uh, Clementine takes over the series. And uh, she is freaking amazing as a protagonist. I, you, It's a choice-based game, so obviously it's got a little bit of your own personality infused in it. Um, but, uh, I, I just, I love how they explore and they grow up with this girl, little girl. Uh, she grows up through these games. You watch her grow up in the middle of a zombie apocalypse, uh, in a, in a similar way to Ellie. Um, it's not quite as violent per se, but she definitely encounters some tragedy. Um, I really, I really love Clementine. I think she's, she's a great character. So I've, I've never actually played the, uh, the series or um watched the show so i don't know if she's she's in um both but she sounds like a lovely like a lovely character yeah she's I don't like a think fan she's actually, from yeah she i don't think she's in the show but they do encounter people from the show, from the show? in the game yeah. especially in the first one mainly mm -hmm. um you basically run into like you go to um Herschel's farm mm -hmm, mm -hmm. at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's well before um like anyone in the, the show or the graphic novel gets there. Um you're there pretty early on in the apocalypse. So while um uh like while Rick from the show is still in a coma. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, very like yes. very early on. It's yeah, very yeah. early, I'm pretty sure. And uh yeah, you you meet other people from the show, it's kind of fun. Um, and then you kind of like separate from them after a little bit, usually. Um, yeah, I, I, I really, I do, I do love Clementine. She's, she's fabulous. And, um, that being said, let's move on to what game we would, our top gaming recommendation from this podcast. Matt, let's start with you. So I'm going to go for two just because you know, me can never Bro decide for the life of me. Um, I just can't. Um, so my first one, of course, the game I'm currently playing, uh, Celeste. It's absolutely fantastic. Like I've said it before, I'll say it again. The themes in this game are just fantastic. Madeline is just so like amazing. I just want to see her succeed. I can't wait to see her get to the top of the mountain and just like be happy with her and for her. Um, the gameplay is fun. It's challenging. If you like a challenging game, definitely play it. Um, but it's absolutely fantastic. It's eight bit. Um. But it, it's nonetheless, it's absolutely fantastic. And the second game, a little bit of a throwback, but the original uh, remastered <laughs> Tomb Raider, Tomb Raider 2013, it's su it's honestly such an amazing game. Um, the character development, the it has like very similar styles. Um, it's like a survival game. So, so you have to like forage and like find parts and upgrade your parts that you find. Very much similar to like The Last of Us, but with less stealth. Um, a little bit like Uncharted, but with, more stealth uh it's a very good it's a good even mix it's great um definitely play 
Tomb Raider 2013 and also play select. Uh, cool. Uh, I'm going to go with Mirror's Edge. Um, it, it's not a game that's going to take you very long to finish. It was, I thought it was pretty fun. I, maybe the ending could have been better, but I think the, the gameplay was really exciting. There was a lot of like, a lot of moments where you're like, you make a jump or like, Oh my God, I, I don't think I should have done that. And then you end up like making the jump anyways. Like it's, it's, it's a journey. And it's it's definitely a journey that I think a lot of people should should take. And it's 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 not a game that like I've I've heard a lot about. Um. So yeah, I'm gonna go with uh go with Mirror's Edge. All right. Well, I am tempted by a few of the games that we have mentioned, but I'm gonna go. You know, I'm gonna go a little bit uh with a standard with a with a fan favorite here. I'm gonna go Dragon Age two. I honestly, Marissa, I didn't know where you were gonna go, and I was like, she's gonna say Dragon Age two. Like I I <laughs> she, she's gonna say Dragon Age two. Yeah, it has to be Dragon Age 2. It's getting a little bit of, like, renewed love, to be honest, on, like, Twitter and, uh, you know, other places online. Uh, So if you've never checked it out and want to play a very, very short RPG, it's it's pretty much finishable in a weekend if you really put your mind to it. Um, Go play Dragon Age 2 and, uh, yeah, tell me if you think Varric and Hawk are just secretly in love at the end because I want opinions on that because I want to know if I'm alone. All right. And with that, we will end this one. Thank you guys so much for joining. As always, make sure you're following us on Twitch, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all at Crowned Heathens. And we so look forward to seeing you in the next one. Thanks, guys. Parkour.